0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us.
1: I am presenting a series of broadcasts on our identity in Christ, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now in the previous broadcast I was explaining that Cain was a very religious man. Cain was a man who was devoted to obedience to his God. And the reason why I'm able to say that is because God gave Adam, his father, the commandment that he would have to work the ground, that the ground was cursed for him, and in effect it was a curse that he would personally experience and his children would experience, and that he was to work the ground, he was to sweat over his labor in order to acquire food for himself and for his family. And Cain chose to live a life of working the ground, toiling the ground, as God commanded his father to toil the ground. In that way, Cain was a very obedient man. Abel, on the other hand, was a keeper of flocks. He was a keeper of livestock and apparently was not devoting his time or his efforts to working the ground. And so from Cain's perspective, Abel would be considered to be disobedient and Cain would be considered to be obedient. And with great enthusiasm Cain presented an offering to the Lord, an offering of what he grew from the ground, he presented his produce to the Lord as an offering, a demonstration of his obedience to God, only to find out that God was not willing to accept him or his offering, that he found that Cain was unacceptable and his offering was unacceptable. And as I was explaining in the previous broadcast, the description in Genesis chapter 4 verse 7 is not very good in the English translations that we have available to us right now. That a more careful and better translation of Genesis chapter 4 verse 7 would reveal that God was not willing to accept Cain's offering because Cain was presenting an offering out of his own works. It was because of the condition of his heart that God rejected Cain and his offering it was not a matter of whether or not Cain offered a blood sacrifice as Abel did. I do believe that that is a prophetic inference or a foreshadowing of what the Messiah would do for us, especially as it was foreshadowed through the law of Moses. But in verse 7, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, A better translation reveals that the reason why Cain was rejected and his offering was rejected was because he was trying to elevate himself to God by his own obedience to the command of God to work the ground. It was because he was offending God by trying to elevate himself by his own actions, by doing what was good according to what he understood about what his relationship with his God was to be about. A better translation of Genesis chapter 4 verse 7 would say this, There is a removing that is taking place if you try to make your right standing to be a result of your elevation of yourself by yourself. And if you will not make a correction to the great expanse of this offense and its subsequent penalty, you are resting in, reaching out, and dependency on your elevation of yourself and then the Lord leaves that as an incomplete sentence and continues by saying, "And you will surely rule your life by it." In other words, you will surely rule your life by trying to elevate yourself by your own actions. He was going to continue to try to establish his right standing with his God by what he did and by what he did not do. And the Lord said that he needed to make a correction to the great expanse of this offense, and of course the subsequent penalty would be rejection. From his God. Now, some of the key words here that correspond to the English translations that we have are resting in and you will surely rule your life by it. When I mentioned resting in in the context of if you will not make a correction to the great expanse of this offense and its subsequent penalty, you're resting in reaching out and dependency on your elevation of yourself. That word resting in has been translated as sin is crouching at the door. Well, what is crouching is his attitude. That was what was crouching or resting. I believe resting would be a better word to choose in this context. And the fact that the Lord said that he would surely rule his life, I believe that the translators translated this word rule into the word master in the context that Cain would need to master the sin in his life, but I believe that God said something very different, that the Lord told Cain that he would master his life by his own pride and not live his life according to the grace and mercy of his God. And so further careful examination of Genesis chapter 4 verse 7 to me gives an example of the Lord telling us very clearly, that our relationship with him is not going to be determined by what we do or what we don't do, but only by his grace and by his mercy. That is the only way that we will be acceptable to him. That is the only way that he will regard us in any way whatsoever. What we do or what we don't do will have no influence on how our God looks at us or how he accepts us or how he rejects us. Back then, between Cain and Abel, it was a matter of their heart. It had to do with the condition of their heart. So likewise today, we know that our God relates to us in the same way. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you don't do. What matters is what he did. What he did through the Messiah was reconcile you to himself, no longer counting your sins against you. And because of what he has done, you are acceptable to him because of his grace and because of his mercy towards you, certainly not because of what you did or what you didn't do or what you presented as an offering or what you did not present as an offering. That is the reality that was foreshadowed by these passages in the scriptures that we now live in today. But back then Cain decided not to respond to what the Lord God told him and instead rejected what his God said to him. And I can understand why, to a certain degree, why it would be so difficult for him to accept the word of the Lord, because it appears to me that he spent his whole life believing the deception that his mother believed that he was going to be the Messiah, as was related in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, as I explained in a previous broadcast. And so for Cain to be confronted with something completely different than how he lived his life previously, well, he's going to have to really make a choice he will have to make a choice and when God spoke to him and said yeah but your pride is going to keep you from experiencing this anyway how do you think that really made him feel how do you think he really responded to that that must have been a very troubling statement that he heard from the Lord something that would cut deep at the very core of his being at the core of his identity because his entire identity his whole life was based on the deception that he was going to be the one who was going to reconcile everyone back to God, that he was going to be the righteous and holy person who would overcome the fall of humanity. Through his obedience and through his work for God, he was going to be the man. He was going to be the holy and righteous one. That was the identity that he was assuming for himself, that he thought that he was eventually going to reach only to discover when he thought he had finally arrived by completing the commandment of God of working the ground, he thought the moment had arrived when he could demonstrate to his God that he truly was righteous and holy by presenting the evidence of that fact, only to find out that everything that he thought of, that he believed, now turns out not to be true, and his identity is completely shaken. His entire way of life, the work that he did for a living, His relationships with other people, everything was wrapped up in this identity that he had assumed upon himself that was not real. When he was confronted by the Lord with the reality that this was not true, what would he do then? What is he going to do now? How is he now going to go live his life? Is he going to try harder and do the same thing more and more? Most certainly not. Why would he? Why would he bother? If he strived as far as he did, only to find out that it was completely useless, why would he continue to live the way that he was living before? That is a description of an individual's pride, that the reason why he was such a religious man was because of his own selfish ambition, because he thought that he would have a place in this world that it turned out he would never have, because he thought that he would have an identity, that he would be recognized as a person that he would never be, It turned out that that wasn't true. And so what happened? He went out into the field, and apparently he didn't continue to work. We don't know what he continued to do. But what we do know is that he did confront his brother at some point, probably over this subject, and his decision, Cain's decision with regards to how he was going to deal with this conflict, was to just simply kill his brother. And through the act of murder, he further demonstrated that his heart was still evil and wicked, That regardless of what he did, regardless of his obedience, he may have been fully and completely obedient to every command that he thought he should be obedient to, but it did nothing to change the condition of his heart. Absolutely nothing. And this was demonstrated shortly after the rejection by God because his heart obviously wasn't changed. It was demonstrated by the murder of his brother. It was then that his heart was clearly exposed for what it was. It was wicked and evil and empty. And at that point, it was clear and obvious that Cain was not who he thought he was, that he was not who his mother thought he was. And now his life is most certainly going to change, because from this day forward, he's going to be known as the man who was probably the most religious man that anyone ever knew, a man who devoted everything to try to live in obedience to God, but then suddenly he decided to completely reject and throw away everything because of a lie that he believed that was revealed to him as certainly not being true, and he decided to not pursue the truth, but through his own pride reject it all to the extent where he was willing to murder his own brother to demonstrate just how depraved he really was. That was his identity crisis. Well, then how did the Lord respond to what Cain did to his brother Abel? We can continue to read in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, where the Lord said, in verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Why would it be so great to bear? Well, because his whole life was about working the ground. His whole life was about wanting to acquire, wanting to esteem his right standing with his God through his obedience to what God told him through his father, Adam, that he was to devote his life to laboring in the ground, and through that he would become acceptable to his God, or at least that was what he believed. Obviously, he was not acceptable because of what he did through working the ground. That was made clear to Cain, but he still would not necessarily believe it. And now the Lord has taken this away from him, completely taken it away from him to leave him in a condition where he is going to have nothing left to hold on to in terms of his identity, in terms of who he is as a person. All of it is going to be taken from him, and so he will now be in a situation where he can truly believe that his acceptability before his God will be dependent on the mercy and grace of God, or it will be dependent on Cain's ability to find something else to do, which he certainly will not be able to do. The same scenario will occur again because the Lord his God is going to look at him in the core of his heart, not on the basis of his actions, not on the basis of what he does, but on the basis of who he is as a person and on the basis of the sinfulness that he has within him. And as a result of that, the only way he would ever be acceptable before the Lord would be if he would accept the grace and mercy of God. Abel was acceptable to God, not because of what he did, obviously, because the offering that he presented was contrary to the curse that God gave. The acceptability of Abel was not based on that, it was based on the fact that Abel presented what he had, and what he had was himself and, of course, his livestock, which represented, I believe, his sin, not his choice or belief that his acceptability would be based on the blood offering of an animal. But that his disobedience of not working the ground was reflected in his offering, and so Abel presented what he had which was himself, which was who he was, which was who he could be on the basis of the best efforts that he could present, but he also presented an offering that demonstrated that he was not completely right with God. On that basis, I believe that Abel's offering was an offering and a presentation of himself that showed that he knew that God would have to accept him in the midst of his sinfulness, that God would have to accept him where he was in the condition that he was in, and that he was not going to try to go before the Lord and pretend that he was somebody that he wasn't, or to go before the Lord and ask for acceptability from the Lord on the basis of his actions, but only on the basis of his grace and mercy. And that is why Abel's offering was of better quality than the offering of Cain, it was because of the condition of his heart that was why the Lord regarded Abel and did not regard the offering that was presented by his brother Cain. You see identity alone is not what we need in order to function as our God created us for Cain to have an identity as he did, he sincerely believed. I believe that he believed that his identity was that he was going to be the chosen, righteous, holy one of God who would be the savior of the world. I believe that because that is what his mother believed, and it would make sense for her to convey that belief to her son Cain. That identity in and of itself was not adequate for Cain to be the kind of person that God really wanted him to be. Having the identity that he had certainly did motivate him did change his behavior, did alter his actions. It did motivate him to do righteous and holy things and to reject unholy and unrighteous things. That most certainly was a motivator that altered his behavior. And our behavior can be altered and modified on the basis of what we believe about ourselves in terms of who we are. We can make choices and decisions because of who we believe we are based on the identity that we assume about ourselves or that is given to us from someone else. We can make choices. We can make decisions on that basis and we can make good, holy, righteous decisions and choices that will be motivated just by our identity. It's very simple. It would not make much sense for you to do things that would be contrary to who you were. If you were the child of a very important person, for example, it would not make much sense for you to go and involve yourself in activities that people are involved in who represent or who are the children of people who are not very well known or not very well accepted or not very important in the society that they are a part of. It would not make much sense. Instead, you should spend your time with other people who are of similar caliber. This is a belief, this is a perspective that people have in the society that we have right now, in the various societies that we have always had. This has been the attitude of many people, and so just by an identity alone, people can be motivated to make choices and decisions, and they can be good choices or they can be bad choices. But I want you to understand that there is something more important than just a person's identity. Because when I start talking about our identity in Christ, we can certainly be very motivated to behave in certain ways, to put certain sins out of our life just because it is inconsistent with who we are. And that can be a valid motivation that can certainly have a powerful effect on our daily lives. There's certainly no question about that at all. But when considering that, I want you to also consider and remember the importance of the change of a person's heart. Because Cain had a very powerful identity, even though it wasn't true, it's what he believed. You also can have a very powerful identity, because it's true on the basis of what Christ Jesus has done for you. But that in and of itself is not going to change your heart. There is something more that you need to reach out to and understand in order to experience the transformation that God will do in your heart. That in and of itself is not enough. It is important. It is very important, very powerful, very real, and will have an effect on your life as you experience peace and rest In your heart, when you experience your relationship with your God, there's no question about that. It is also very important for you to understand your identity in Christ in order to see and understand many of the important scripture passages that we have in the Bible that can only be understood in light of our identity in Christ. These things are very important, and I will spend some time addressing these specific concerns, But in the midst of considering this subject, it is very important to realize that your identity alone will not change your heart, that the transformation of a person's heart occurs through the indwelling presence of the living God actively participating in our lives and giving to us everything that we truly need to experience a fulfilled heart. And this does not occur because you have a new identity. This occurs because you receive what he is offering to you In light of what he has done, which is not just to make you into a completely new and different person, but to actually give you what you need in order to function in the world that you have before you. Consider, for example, the subject of sainthood. In many Christian circles of influence, people will consider certain people to be saints because of the way that they involve themselves sacrificially in other people's lives, or perhaps because they performed three miracles of God. Various reasons are given for why a person would be recognized as a saint or not recognized as a saint. But in general, when we use that word, when we think of the word saint, someone is a true saint, in general, the belief is that this person is a sinless person. Or at least we don't know of any sins that they are committing or that they are struggling with. That they are such a good person, that they are such a good and holy and righteous person in the world that they are a part of, that we would consider them to be a saint. That in effect, they are virtually sinless. That's how many people use that word. And so because of that perspective that many people have, it is unusual to find someone to identify themselves as a saint, to introduce themselves and say, Hello, I am Saint so-and-so. Because it can be an offensive expression of pride out of an individual as they compare themselves to others through this identification by saying that I am saint so-and-so, but you are not a saint, and so I am greater than you are. I am a better person than you are. I am significantly different from who you are, and it is unlikely that you'll ever reach the stature that I have personally arrived at. That's how many people would perceive a statement such as that or an introduction such as that. For a person to identify themselves as a saint, that would generally be considered to be unacceptable. But for someone else to recognize a different person as a saint, that's different. We're not normally offended so much by a statement such as that. Instead, when we refer to ourselves or when we introduce ourselves, we will normally identify ourselves not as saints but as sinners. We are sinners because that is what we do, because we are tempted to commit various sins and we often will fall to the temptations that are presented before us. And so because of that, we don't want to consider ourselves to be a saint. We consider ourselves to be a sinner. But considering what the Lord Jesus has done for us by dying for our sins and no longer holding our sins against us, because of what he did, we will then recognize that we are saved by his grace. And so, we will often assume an identity of, Hello, I am so-and-so, a sinner who has been saved by grace. But what does that really mean? That means that you are a sinner. That is your identity. Well, if that is your identity, then it would make perfect sense for you to continue to live in accordance with your identity. It would make sense for you to live as a sinner, to commit sins, to give in to the temptations that you would have exposure to. It would make perfect sense for you to do that, and we should not be surprised if you do that, because that is who you are, or at least that is who you think you are. And if that's the case, then you could also use it as a means of justification. Many people will justify their sins that they commit in their life experience by saying, Well, I am a sinner. That is who I am. I am saved by the grace of God, but I still struggle with sin, and my identity is a person who sins, and so don't be surprised if I sin, because that is who I am. However, if a person was to recognize that they are a saint because the Lord Jesus does not hold any of their sins against them anymore— When the Lord Jesus sees them, they do not see a person who sins, they see a person who has been forgiven of all of their sins, and so by definition, they are a saint, because the Lord Jesus does not count their sins against them. The Lord our God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, no longer counting our sins against us. And so because of that, because of what he did, we are technically a saint. Now, if you will recognize that that is your true identity from God's perspective, it can certainly motivate you to no longer sin. It can be a motivation for you to alter and change your behavior because it would be very inconsistent for you to commit sin if that is not who you are. This is a very powerful motivator that can change a person's life. It certainly can. Now, it's not going to keep a person from committing all the sins in their life, most certainly, because while it may assist us in dealing with one sin or another, the reason why we commit sins is because of the condition of our heart that drives us to a point where we want to commit sins, and so the outward expression of an empty heart can be seen in the sins that we commit. But the objective is not to change our identity or to give us a new motivation to stop committing sins. The most important thing to recognize is that the objective is to deal with the reason why we find ourselves engaged in committing certain sins. It is the reason why that we must consider, that we must address. Our identity is not a sinner saved by grace. Our identity is a saint because of the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus. However, the reason why we are committing sins is not because we don't know who we are. The reason why we are committing sins is because of our heart condition, because our heart directs us in such a way to commit sins because we want to, regardless of our identity. And so if we are ever going to experience a transformational change in our very being, in who we are as a person, it will have to occur on the inside, in our heart, through our personal, individual relationship with the Lord Jesus. But this relationship is possible because of who he has made us to be. He has made us a saint. He has made us a son. He has made us a bride of Christ. He has made us his brother. He has made us a member of his body. That is something that he has done. But he has done that so that, He could reach out to us and meet the very deepest needs that we have. And if we will only receive what He has for us that will meet the very deepest needs that we have, then the desires of our heart will be met because our God will meet them personally. And I will tell you more about this in the next broadcast.